title of this series, new series, again out of Ephesians chapter 1, is called Diving In. It's talking about going deeper with God. Did you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that, uh, that we can, when we get saved, Jesus said, He who believes in me, out of his heart flows rivers of living water. And so there is a scriptural foundation to that song that we just heard and a scriptural foundation to what I'm going to preach to you. This whole series is about diving in and going deeper with God. Now, I remember uh, uh, several years ago, I used an illustration in a different sermon to explain what going deeper with God means. And I told the story when I was a little boy that uh, uh, we used to have this swimming pool near us. It was in a place called Free Home. It was just a little community. And, uh, um, and I remember the pool seemed like it was an Olympic-sized pool. It was probably about this big, okay? But you know how it is when you're little? Things just look huge. And it was made of concrete block, Painted blue on the inside, but to me, it was like going to Disney World. It was so fun. I loved to swim. And I remember having to learn, taking lessons there in the shallow end, and, and that's cool. And it was fun doing that, but the whole time I looked at those people diving off that diving board, swimming out there in the deep, and I'd want to get to it, and I'd kind of edge, you know how little kids kind of edge over to it? And I would get there, and I'm like, whoa. But after a while, I got good enough swimming here to where I could finally go to the deep end. And I loved it, all right? Uh, when you get saved, God is calling you not to stay in the shallow end with Him. He wants you to go deeper and deeper with Him. He wants you to get out in the deep end because that's where the blessings are. And I'll never forget... Uh, sharing how there's a lot of Christians, you know, they're saved, they go to church, they tithe, they serve in the church and all these kind of things, but you can still do all those things and still be in the shallow end with your walk with the Lord, even though you do all those things. And I shared that illustration, and one little boy went up to his dad. He's probably four years old, and he went up to his dad, and he said, Daddy, you're still in the shallow end. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? how that kid saw that in his dad's life, that he wasn't going deep with God. And uh, so uh, I don't want you to be the person where your wife looks at you and says, you know, you're still in the shallow end with God. Or your teenager, or your somebody else around you, or a friend who's really walking with God, looks over at you and said, man, I love you, I appreciate your attendance here, and everything like that, but you're still in the shallow end with God. Uh, we we want to launch out deep, in over our head we want to be, so slink or swim, we're diving in, amen, <laughs> like that song said. Now, look at how God has called us to launch out into the deep. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 4, if you'll look in your outlines inside of your bulletin. Jesus said, well it says here, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So that is God's call to every one of us. Launch out into the deep, and when you get out there, expect a big blessing from God. You're going to see God do more things you've ever seen. You're going to reap more blessings that you've ever 
received before. But he didn't say to Peter, stay here in the shallow end. He said, go out there in the deep. Now he was talking about literal fishing, but that is a spiritual principle. So the question you need to ask yourself, am I in the shallow end with God? Or, or I am, am I progressing toward the deep things of God? Okay? So that's what we're going to be talking about. How to, how to move from the shallow end out into the deep end with God. And we find that in that little box there, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. We're going to cover this over the next few weeks, and then we'll, we'll hit Christmas and take a little break for Christmas Day, and then we'll pick it back up uh, after the uh, first of the year. All right, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. And look what apostle, the Apostle Paul says to the local church of Ephesus. Uh, in, in Ephesus, he says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That, here it is, here's his prayer. He wants them to go deeper. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the, look at this, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That is a mouthful, <laughs> okay? And so we're going to look at that over the next uh, uh, few weeks. Do you all remember there was a man by the name of Randolph Hearst? He, he started the newspapers. Um, as a matter of fact, Hearst, uh, was his, his daughter was kidnapped one time. Remember that? Patty Hearst. The first research paper I wrote was on Patty Hearst. So it'll, she will always be a figure in my mind. Okay, because I learned a lot doing that research paper. But Hearst was a super wealthy guy who owned all these new papers and stuff like that. And one of the things he loved to do is he loved to uh, collect valuable art treasures. And so he, he, had, um, um, he had treasures of art around the world. And so he sent out one of his men and says, look... I want to uh, get this piece, this piece, this piece, go around the world and go get these things for me. I want them. And so the guy went out looking for these things around the world, and he came back to him and he said this, you already have all of them. They're in your warehouse. And when you get saved, sometimes we keep thinking that we have to have something else, something out there. There are holding nominations that say this, boy, i got to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. i got to have some kind of zap hit me in order for me to live with God. And God says, you got all you need in your warehouse, your spiritual warehouse. When you got saved, you've got all the treasures in Jesus Christ. And so what you need to do is you need to learn how to unlock that warehouse Look around in it, get all you can, appropriate uh, 
doing that, dive into that warehouse, so to speak, and only God can show you and give you the power to dive in and discover all those treasures. Have you seen a theme in through this whole Ephesians 1 about being in Christ and how you're rich and how you've got to discover what He's already given you and you don't need anything else? Look at what the Bible says in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need. Look at this. For life, that is to live for the Lord, and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Now what I want to focus on today is this. Ephesians 1.15. Let's go back and read it because this is where we're going to focus on For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. The first thing I want you to see here in this passage as we want to dive in and go deeper with God is the priority. The priority that God gives us. We've got to start off here. This is step number one. Now you'll look in that verse and it says, if you want to underline this, for this reason. What reason? You know, the word for is kind of like a link. It's kind of like he is swinging now to another topic, but he's pointing back to something. I want you to go deeper for this reason. And what is he pointing back to? He's pointing back to the previous things we've talked about. How God the Father has invested in us by choosing us, adopting us, accepting us. How God the Son redeemed us, forgiven us, enlightened us and demonstrates us as a trophy of His grace, and how God the Holy Spirit sealed us until the day of redemption and pledged and gave us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. For this reason, for this reason, I want you to now dive in. And it starts off with this uh, principle he teaches is this. Your vertical relationship has to be right. That is, you've got to make sure you're right with God. You can't dive in to the deep end if you don't have this settled. It starts in the shallow end, but you're not supposed to stay in the shallow end. Everybody who gets saved is is born into the shallow end But he don't want to stay there decades and be content with being here. He wants you to dive in. And so to have the capacity to move from here to there, you've got to make sure your vertical relationship is right. Now, if you underline this, he said, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you. Here's what he means by this. Ephesians... I've heard many of your testimonies. I've heard you are saved. You can give a clear story. Did you know of your salvation? One time Gail uh, said, if you're saved, you'll have a story about when you got saved. And so she set some teenagers around here, and she said, here's what I want you to do. I want, we're going to go around the room, and I want you to tell your story. And so some of you said, well, I got saved at can, Or I got saved when I was, you know, 12 years old. I got saved while Brother Jeff was preaching. I got saved here in a revival service. And it came to one girl, and she said, I don't have a story. I don't have a story. You know what that let us know right off the beginning? She's lost. 
And Paul said to these Ephesians, he said, I have heard of the faith, the saving faith you have which exists among you. I tell you, one of the toughest things I have to do as a pastor is to do the funeral of somebody I don't know whether they were saved or not. Gosh, that's hard. I've done those. And you know, I try to honor the person as best as I can, but I'm not going to stand up there and lie and say, boy, thank God he's in the presence of Jesus. And I'm certainly not going to stand up there, boy, y'all pray because I don't know where he is. (laughs) You don't want to say that either. It's hard to... Uh, maneuver around that while still giving honor to the person. But what a joy it is to hear, have heard someone's testimony and to know their story and be able to tell people their story, how they were saved, and to be able to tell them, I tell you what, this person, he really walked with God. He Over the years, he matured. I saw him mature, and he was in the deep end with God when he died. And that's what Paul was saying. Boy, I heard your salvation testimony, but I want you to move further uh, than that. There is a bumper sticker years ago that used to say this. Know Jesus, as in know Him. Know Jesus, no peace. But know Jesus, no peace. Can I flip that around and give you another bumper sticker you could write? Know Jesus, and you'll know change. You'll have a story. But know Jesus, no change. I really believe when you get saved, your life will change. Now, it may not change as dramatically as other people's. You may not have an Apostle Paul-like experience, but you'll get saved and you'll know you were changed. My grandmother, Mama Hawkins, always assumed she was a Christian, but a few years before she died, I, I, I decided, you know what? It's kind of a little bit uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable asking a relative if they're saved or not. And I said, Mama Hawkins, will you tell me your testimony how you got saved? And she immediately said, well, you know, I went to a revival at Sardis Church. That's where she grew up in that little Sardis community outside of Canton, Georgia, north of Atlanta. And she goes, I went to this revival, and I remember the preacher preaching, and... And uh, I, I prayed to receive the Lord, but I didn't see a change in my life. And I just worried about that. I worried about that for years. And then finally, when I went to First Baptist Canton, an evangelist came in again, and he talked about being saved. And, and she said, and that was the day I nailed it down. And I know I was saved. What a blessing to hear your grandmother say that. She gave a clear indication that her vertical relationship was right with God, where's your story? Where's your story? Now notice she said this, I don't know if I got saved the first time, but I know I nailed it down when I was older. You know what? It don't matter if she did get saved the first time, as long as she knew she got it nailed down. Have you nailed it down? That you know. The number one priority of your life is to know Jesus and to know that you're saved and for other people to tell that you're saved. All right? So, that is the first thing. Make sure you're saved. And after you're saved, make sure that you keep 
Not your salvation, but you keep on living close to the Lord. Otherwise, you will forever stay in the shallow end. You can't, as a child of God, live in disobedience and get out there. The priority is your vertical relationship has to be right. Now, obviously, that leads us to the next part of our priority. Your horizontal, I could say relationships, have to be right. Your horizontal relationships have to be right. Because look what he says here, if you want to underline that in the box, and your love for all the saints. That you have true, genuine love. That you Listen, you can't have true, genuine love if you hold bitterness toward people. You, you got, he said, you guys give clear testimony of your salvation. You have your story that when you got saved. And you ha- all have love. You, your vertical relationship is right. And I'm hearing that your horizontal relationships are right. You cannot be right with God and be in the wrong relationship with another person. Look at 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister... So what is he saying here? He's talking about someone who's saved, who says, you know what? I'm not in the shallow end, I'm in the deep end. And God says, you're a liar if you haven't forgiven your Christian brother or sister, no matter what they've done to you, or what anybody's done to you. He says this, Let's look at that again, 1 John 4, 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God with whom we have not seen? It's like this. You know, when you hold bitterness to somebody, it's kind of like you've got this pet sin behind you. And you keep them in your cage and you're bitter at them and you go to church and everything and you start to sing and God's going, uh-uh. It ain't going past the ceiling. You start to pray, uh-uh. The Bible says he's covered himself with a cloud so that no prayer can break through. As long as you got this, you got a cloud between you and God. And so God says before you can move from the shallow end out here to the deep end, then you got to deal with this. You right with everybody? Now, I'm not saying you have to be... They can be wrong with you, but you still be right with them. When I was preaching a few weeks ago, well, a little bit more than that, a couple months, I talked about as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. And so I decided to approach some people uh, who don't attend this church any longer... And so I decided to go to the the main ones that I felt like I needed to go to and just say, hey, look, I'm not trying to uh, get you to agree with me. That's water under the bridge. But I preached a sermon. I told them, the Bible says, as far as it depends upon you, be with peace with all men. And I just, when I see you out in the community, I just want to be able to come up to you and say, hey, so-and-so, how are you doing? And be at peace with you. The first one just immediately said, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's no big deal, you know. And, and I said, so we're cool. You know, I didn't say that what I did was wrong, but I just wanted to be at peace with them about it. And so they were cool. The second one, eh, 
You know, I'm like, I just want peace. Yep, yep, we're at peace, we're at peace. The third one blasted my head off when I said, you know, I just want to be at peace with you. Lit into me with all the bitterness and ugliness. But you know what? I walked away and said, I'm right with God. I've got peace no matter what way they react to me. I've got peace. And when I see him again, I'm going to go up and say, hey, how are you doing? And it won't be fake. Because I know I dealt with it in my heart. So, you know what? I wanted to make sure there was nothing here when I'm praying with God. Your horizontal relationship has got to be right. Look at what the Bible says. What will happen when your horizontal relationship is right with God I mean, your vertical relationship is right with God, and your horizontal relationship is right with other people. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, how does He control our lives? That we don't have one of these things behind us. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control here then is no conflict with the law. Now here's a verse where I get that principle from of that little bitterness behind your back or whatever that pet sin is too. Look at Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Jesus said, So if you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Not just that you have something against them, they've got something against you. Leave your sacrifice there beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Being reconciled does not mean they have to agree with you or you have to agree with them. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. David talked about when he had committed adultery, he said this. Now, this is not in your outline, but he said this. My sin is ever before me. Boy, that's a miserable condition. To be able to be wrong with someone else and then to go to God in prayer and every time you pray, just like windshield wiper. That's a miserable way to live. Make sure you're horizontal relationship is right with God. Look at Psalm 66, 18. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You know what? God does not listen to every prayer. Do you know that? He's waiting for us to do some things to make sure we're right with Him and to make sure we're right with other people. Now here's the next thing I want to show you. The power. Once you do step number one and you know your vertical relationship is right and your horizontal relationship is right, listen, you won't even have the power to start going out here deeper unless God Himself comes along and aids you in going out into the deeper end. Now let's look at Ephesians 1, 16 through 18 there. I think I boxed it. <laughs> Paul said, this is his prayer now. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, here it is, 
may give to you a spirit of wisdom. You need this. And of revelation and knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart, there it is, may be enlightened. Paul said, this is not going to happen on its own. I'm praying for you. God has to do this. God has to open the eyes of your heart. God has to tell you what the next move is so you'll be able to launch out into the deep. That's the power. Now what do we learn from this? First, we learn that spiritual understanding, that is the power to go in the deep end, comes from the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Look what it says there, uh, go back in the box. A spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. The knowledge of Him means you're going deeper. I'm praying you go deeper. Now, when it says the word spirit there, that's not talking in that sense of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the human spirit being enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says about how important this is. Ephesians, excuse me, Isaiah 11 verse 2. The Spirit of, Lord, of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. When you're saved and you're right with God and you're right with other people, guess what? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of the fear of the Lord will be upon you to move and dive in deeper. Look at John 14, 25 through 26. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and remember, bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Look at John 16, 12 through 14. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. That is, they're not ready to move deeper with God yet. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into the deep end, into all truth. For He will not speak of His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of Mine and will disclose it in the deep end to you. Warren Wiersbe said this, The Holy Spirit reveals truth to us from the Word and then gives us the wisdom to understand and apply it. He also gives us the power and enablement to practice the truth. Listen to that again. That's so important. The Holy Spirit reveals to us from the Word of God and then gives us the wisdom to understand and apply it. He also gives us the power and the enablement to practice the truth what I call the iceberg principle. You know, a person who's not saved can read the Bible and can get out the surface truth of what it's saying. You ask them a, a, a verse like this, uh, John three sixteen. they can read it, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. What does that mean? It means God loved us. Whoever believes in Him will not have everlasting life. But they just have that skim of the iceberg. And what you need is when you get saved, the Holy Spirit supernaturally enlightens you as you go into the deeper truths of God and you begin to see underneath the surface what those verses really mean. 
I've been, listen, I've been preaching now, what is it, 37 years? Is that right? Yeah, 37 years. Preaching 37 years. Could you imagine that? Studying God's Word intensely for 37 years. And you know what? I've been in the iceberg for that long, but it's like it's bigger, 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 bigger. It never stops. There's no bottom to it. That means going out into the deep end. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that. Look at what 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16 says. That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Now watch this. A lot of times we apply that to heaven. You know, we don't understand all that God has prepared for us who love Him. And you could probably make a little case for that. But look what he says here in verse 10. But we know these things already. We know these things because God has revealed them to us, what? By His Spirit. And His Spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. The deep end. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. So it takes the Spirit of God to show us the thoughts of God. Uh, verse 12. And God has actually given us His Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the Spirit. Do you know something? When I'm preaching this, I am giving you words given to us by the Holy Spirit. Using spirit words, the Spirit's word explains spiritual truths. But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. Because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. We who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand them at all. How could they? For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who could give Him counsel? But we understand these things. For we have the mind of Christ. Alright, here's the next thing. Spiritual understanding comes from the heart. It comes from the Holy Spirit... But that spiritual understanding implants in your heart. Look what he says there back in the box. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You know, those, uh, we've been watching the cults on Sunday nights with the men, and one of the things they talk about in Hinduism is the third eye. And uh, really all that is is tapping into the demonic, the third eye. Guess what? You, you, all of us have a third eye. If we're saved, we have a heart that sees. We have a heart that sees. Spiritual understanding comes to the heart. That's the receptor, is the heart. Now normally when we think of heart, we're thinking about a physical heart. But this is talking about the spiritual heart, the inner person, uh, not some physical thing, the inner person. Now think about this. God always used parallels. He talks about you've got to be born of water, that's physical birth, and of the spirit. Your first birth is physical, your second birth is spiritual. 
So he uses these parallels. And the physical sense of my body is I can see, I can hear, I can taste, I can smell, and I can touch. That's the five senses of my physical body. Do you know your spiritual insides, if you're saved, have those same five senses? Let me show you what I mean right from Scripture. The ability to see. Uh, David prayed, I'm, this is, the verses are not on your outline, but I'm going to quote parts of them so you understand. We can see with our inner man. Uh, David said in Psalm 119, 18, you know, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. Jesus said uh, to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, born of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I can't see the kingdom of God with my physical eyes, but man, I can see it with my spiritual eyes. God at work. Um, I can hear with my heart. Matthew 13, 9, Jesus said, He who has ears to hear. That's talking about not physical ears, but spiritual ears. Paul, excuse me, the writer to the Hebrews said to some people who were listening to his preaching, you have become dull of hearing. Now those people heard everything he said, but not with their ears, but with their, their heart had become dull. Then taste. Can you imagine you have the sense of taste in your inner man? Because the Bible says in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 1 Peter 2, 23 talks about if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Then, look at this. We have the sense of smell from our inner person. Philippians 4, 18 says that you have presented a fragrant offering to God. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says that you are a wonderful fragrance for God and that other people can tell that. We have the sense of smell in our inner person if we're saved. And then we have the sense of touch. Acts 17 verse 27, listen to I'm going to read the whole verse here. and It's not on your outline, but I'm going to read the whole verse here. Acts 17, 27, Paul said to these lost people, His purpose was for the nations to seek after God, and perhaps they will feel their way. They will feel their way toward Him and find Him, though He is not far from any of us. You know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll begin to work in your heart and work in your heart. And, and you begin to do this, you begin to go, I want to find God. I want to make sure I'm saved. And you start to reach out to feel. And the Bible says, He's not far from us. You just stretch out your hand to Him. And you say, God, I can't. I can't earn my way to heaven. And He stretches out His hand to you. And you grab it. And He saves you. That's what's called grace. You see, Christianity is the only quote-unquote religion 
where you don't work yourself up, God worked his way down, Emmanuel, to rescue you. Touch. Look in Matthew 13, verse 13. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand, but listen to this. this. If you're ready to get saved this morning, look at this. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, okay?